1: Love, talk Radio. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the Hi everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. This is our fifty-fourth podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the manager of BT Powerhouse. We we have a big podcast today. I I've been excited about this one for a while. Um we have a, a great guest on um that's going to be able to chat with us about everyone's favorite topic, bracketology. Um, You know, how many teams from the big 10 are going to make it? Where are they going to make it? Uh, Who has a chance? Who's their odds are probably out the window by now. Um, A lot of exciting stuff to talk about. You know, I, I know some people, you know, they don't kind of get around to the bracketology stuff until, uh, until late February, March, but Really, this is the time when you, you can make or break your resume um, to actually get in. But uh, a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Obviously, a lot of Big Ten teams in contention. But uh, with no further ado, uh, we have Chris Dobberton from uh, SB Nation. Chris, how are you doing? All right. How are you? Great. Great. Yeah. Excited to talk about bracketology uh, uh, so early. <laughs> but uh, Well, uh...
0: It's 6 weeks away if you can believe it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing how quick how quick we get there. But um a lot of a lot of action this week, a lot of great games coming up over the weekend. Um Yeah. Uh first first what, you know, for someone who's just starting to kind of get into the bracket, into where things are sitting, what what are the big takeaways um just kind of on college basketball right now as far as the bracket goes?
0: Well, I'm gonna. I wrote a little bit about this in a piece that'll run at some point today on SB Nation, but it's it's just a big giant mess. It's a lot of fun. It's been a really fun season, and I think that that's really going to translate into the tournament. I think if you liked last year's tournament and just it was just wall to wall action, lots of crazy upsets and, and lots of really just unexpected results. Even though we ended up having, you know, Kentucky getting into the final four and defeating until they end up losing to Wisconsin, but Wisconsin getting there kind of you know as a favorite too um and then Duke and Michigan State being very strong you had a lot of those kind of interesting results along the way and I think it's going to be even more wide open this year
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it it sounds fun um anytime you hear wild in the NCAA tournament uh it sounds like a blast but um obviously our our listeners have some some interest in the Big Ten um uh Big Ten kind of had a a bit of a rough start to the season but it looks like it's starting to come around um just from a, a conference strength standpoint or, or how you evaluate these conferences, uh, where does the Big Ten sit? The Big Ten
0: is kind of in the middle right now. I think that right now it's the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC kind of have asserted themselves as being the three best. They're kind of well ahead of everybody. And then you have the Big East and the Big Ten kind of fitting in that second level ahead of the SEC. And then all the teams, the conferences are only going to get – you know, two or three bids and then eventually down to one. Uh, The thing the Big Ten has to worry about this year is the bottom half is not very good. Um, I wrote about this last week where if you compare things to how they were last year, you had so many more teams in the top 100 than you do this year, and you didn't have anybody that's kind of threatening that RPI 200 or below spot like Rutgers and Minnesota are right now. And that really is going to end up hurting teams along the line.
1: True, true. So the real question is, how does the Big Ten get evaluated minus Rutgers? <laughs> <I'm
0: just kidding. laughs> well, the good news is is that 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 you're going to go, that the committee goes, doesn't really go by conference, it goes team by team. And, and really in that sense, the top six that you have in the Big Ten are, are in really good shape in terms of getting a bid. Um, the lowest Big Ten team I have in the field right now is Indiana, and they're a five seed. And they're the current conference leader, of course, along with Iowa. Um, the only team that kind of really has a really good shot right now at kind of sneaking in, is Ohio state and you know, last night they had that interesting overtime game with Illinois. um who's another team that's a bit of a problem um, when you're kind of going through uh, looking at team schedules ahead. Um, and then I think Wisconsin, if they can kind of, you know, maybe win a couple road games besides what they've done against um, Indiana and Michigan state at home, they can kind of get themselves under the picture too.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know you you started jumping into the six teams so why don't why don't we just jump into that right now um i i i haven't i don't remember what you had on your latest bracket but it looks like a lot of people are starting to get Iowa up to that two to one range uh seeding range um obviously i'm assuming you have Iowa as pretty much a lock at this point but um yes what what are their odds of getting a number one seed and um Rank, do they have any shot at getting the number one overall seed?
0: I think the number one overall seed is kind of tough because you kind of have a couple of big 12 teams in Oklahoma and Kansas that are kind of in the picture too. and um, They don't have quite so many games against, or against weaker opponents that Iowa might have coming up. As I'm looking at their schedule, they've got Northwestern, Penn State, and Illinois all in a row. And that's going to be, you know, should be three pretty easy wins for them, but that's not really going to help their computer numbers all that much. They have Minnesota, Penn State, um, two. So they have five games left of, uh, of their half schedule. So basically, half their schedule left is against teams that really aren't going to help them at all. Um, so that really is going to hurt them a little bit. But that being said, with the way the season has been, if Iowa keep <laughs> winning, you know, Oklahoma and Kansas, you know, they're going to have to play each other again. They may have to play each other again in the Big 12 tournament. That's going to be a situation where they're going to have, where Iowa might have an edge simply because the competition is not quite as good and they still have some quality when opportunities left. So there's that nice combination for them. Um, North mm-hmm. Carolina is another team to keep an eye on because I think really right now they're the team that if you take out kind of some of those early results and Marcus pages out, they are probably the best team in the country at the moment. I think they're really the other big threat to Iowa. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll definitely be interesting. I know I, w- I was talking about that uh, on Twitter this morning was just that uh you know i was already kind of past its gauntlet um you know obviously they went down last night to maryland Mm -hmm. but um you know they swept purdue they swept michigan state and and really they kind of have that that easier uh they had a pretty front-loaded schedule i guess is what i'm trying to say and uh things definitely should get easier for them um and yeah winning winning those games you should win will, will obviously be be important in that uh that equation but um you know, I mentioned them for a second there, but I, I think, I mean, maybe you'll disagree, but um, it seems like the, the big 10 second team in terms of seeding right now is Maryland. Um, they get the big win over Iowa last night. Uh, how do you see the Terps kind of factoring into the, the seeding right now in, in March?
0: I have Maryland and Michigan state kind of right next to each other right now. And, mm-hmm. and the Terps really should be higher. And a lot of other people probably have them higher, Um based more on potential than what they've actually done, because that Iowa win was their first win against a top 50 opponent all year. They were, you know, 0-3 in games going in. But all those three of those games were playing the road against North Carolina, Michigan State, and Michigan. So that was the first time they actually got a team like that on their home floor um, when you think about, you know, Georgetown kind of being down this year. Um, and it's the same kind of situation for the, for the Terps as they're going to really have to pick up some more of those quality wins to actually have a chance – and looking at their schedule it doesn't really bode all that well for them either because they have two games with purdue left and they play indiana on the road to finish up the conference schedule but otherwise and they have michigan coming in on february 21st they have four games left that are pretty good and the rest are kind of eh, middling potential trap games coming up at ohio state and nebraska on the road which which they'll have to really be careful on those two road trips coming up
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i agree i i think uh you know that was so huge, just because I, I know a, a lot of our readers and listeners were kind of wondering, you know, was Maryland kind of overhyped, overrated coming into the year? Um, but they finally get a win over over a big team in Iowa last night, and looks like they're they're picking up steam. But um, but moving to the other team uh, that you mentioned that you have right with Maryland, Michigan State. Uh, I, I don't think there's any debating uh, in the Big Ten. They had the strongest non-conference performance. Uh, they beat Kansas. Beat. Oh, yeah beat Florida, beat Louisville. Um, kind of gotten beaten up a little bit in conference play, but um, they have a what looks like a pretty a pretty decent schedule coming up. Um, how do you see things uh, shaking up for the Spartans? I
0: think the Spartans are kind of in position to make a run, but I think that losing those first three games with Denzel Valentine back really kind of dug them a bit of a hole because they're still three games out. And even with kind of the schedule they have left where you have Rutgers twice, you have Penn state, you have, but then again, you have difficult games with Michigan on the road, Purdue on the road, Ohio state on the road. And then at home too, they're going to really be, they're going to be in position probably to get a buy in the big 10 tournament, you know, get to get in position, but I don't think they're going to have any opportunity really when in the regular season crowd at this point, and that's going to impact their seating a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's, you, you hate to count a team as talented as Michigan State out from the Big Ten this early, but you know just based on what they have coming up, it, and you know four losses, it, it's hard to uh, to see them catching up to Iowa or Indiana or, or whoever uh, else ends up <laughs> around there. But um, but let's move to what again. I, I'm I'm just kind of operating on what I've seen, sort of on the seedings in the order. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you if you disagree with this, uh definitely a shout out and uh I, I'm sure our listeners will be interested to hear. But the next one down um that I've seen uh is typically Purdue. Um yep. they beat Minnesota on Wednesday. Uh they haven't looked the most consistent in Big Ten play, but um no. uh, <laughs> yeah, but they do have some, some big performance in non conference. They beat Florida, Pittsburgh, uh Vanderbilt. Um, what do you, what do you think of the Boilermakers? Can they make a run? Um, what do you think they can do in March? Cause I know a lot of people talk about them as a, as a big matchup problem for a lot of teams.
0: Yeah, their size. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a Florida fan, so that was kind of one of those few games <laughs> this year where the, where, where Florida was really kind of out of it pretty quickly, simply because their front line is just so dominant. I mean, you take on a team that doesn't have quite the experience in the front court, that's going to be a big issue. Um, I think that it's really going to depend a lot on the draw for the Boilermakers. Right now I have them as very last four seed, So they're right at the edge of that protected seed group where they're going to probably end up being sent out to somewhere like Spokane or Denver. They're going to get an unfavorable matchup probably in the, in the round of 32 where right now, for example, I have them getting the Baylor Chattanooga winner and okay. so automatically knowing that as being Baylor because Chattanooga actually won at, at Georgia and at Dayton during the conference. They're pretty dangerous little team there and that and that Baylor matchup if they would get it would be very interesting but that would potentially Mm -hmm. kind of limit their success um again they're another team that's a couple games out they're two games out as opposed to being three games out that gives them a little bit more wiggle room in terms of what they can do and they get Maryland on the road they got a they play Michigan State at home they go to they go to Michigan they have and they actually get Maryland twice I should say. So they actually have a pretty good schedule where they can pick up a few more quality wins and get themselves up a bit, um, which is something that kind of their other competitors don't really have
1: left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Purdue, Purdue's been a uh, kind of an odd mix of success and, and frustration this year, but uh, they'll definitely be interesting to, to watch down the stretch here. Um, moving down to the the next team, a team that is near and dear to my own heart, uh, the Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> um they, uh, they, they've really, you know, they don't have a lot of outstanding wins, but they haven't really lost any bad games yet. Um, no. with the possible exception of UConn, whatever you think of UConn, but, um, they're coming up to a, a relatively manageable closing stretch and a shot at some, uh, some additional quality wins. Um, what do you think of Michigan? Um, I know I, I label them as kind of a dark horse in the big 10 just given their schedule. Um, but we'll see. Um, what, what do you think of Michigan right now, and especially, you know, for March?
0: I definitely think that from a scheduling perspective, they are kind of a dark horse because they, close, they get Iowa at home to close, for starters. You know, they play Maryland again, a team they already beat. Granted, it'll be a little bit more difficult to do that in College Park. Um, they get Purdue at home. They get Indiana at home. They get Michigan State at home. They have a lot of good opportunities, really, to kind of get themselves up, you know, at least into that second spot on the conference. Um, and then non-conference wise, you, you mentioned the Connecticut win or the Connecticut loss being potentially questionable, but right now, Texas, another team they beat in the battle for Atlantis is sitting 20th in the RPI and the Longhorns need to be getting better and better every, every game out. So that's potentially a win that could really boost them up a bit. Um, so I think I would definitely keep an eye out for Michigan. They may, may even be a better threat to end up as a three or four seed than a team like Purdue is right now.
1: Yeah, that would that would certainly be quite quite the turnaround uh for the Wolverines, considering they uh didn't even make the tournament last year. <laughs> but um yeah. uh moving down to the the team you mentioned, uh that you had lowest on your on your kind of board in the Big Ten, uh Indiana. Um they had that tremendous I, I think it was an eleven game win streak. Uh they didn't beat yeah. a lot of great teams during that, but hey, you know, a a win's a win. Um they lost to Wisconsin on Tuesday. Uh, and have a pretty pretty brutal uh, scheduling stretch coming up here. Uh, what do you think of the Hoosiers?
0: Well, I think the stretch coming up is really going to show whether they can actually – they have a potential – they're a five seed right now. They have the potential to really move up kind of like Michigan into that three range, maybe even the two range, is kind of the games they have left. Um, of course, the non-conference schedule wasn't very good, and that's going to be a bit of a limiting factor, I think, for them. But their best non-conference would being against Notre Dame – on a neutral floor, would help if Creighton would get some some wins in the Big East to kind of boost their profile up a bit. But, yeah, this schedule coming up really is going to make a break. I think they're in good shape of getting in either way, but these last 10 games are going to really help determine whether they're going to, they're going to end up being kind of a top-16 type team or they're going to be kind of stuck where they were last year, right smack dab in that middle of the bracket.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and one of the things, you know – as well about Indiana is, is a lot of fans have talked about, uh, you know, their defense has been improving, you know, they could potentially, due to their, you know, their great offense, um, their ability to shoot the long ball, that they could potentially be a, a threat in the tournament. Do you, do you agree with that? Or do you think, uh, you know, they're going to need some solid seeding to uh, to advance deep?
0: Yeah, I think seeding is definitely going to help, especially this year where the middle of the bracket in particular is so kind of middling i don't really want to say middling it's just kind of kind of more fungible and just kind of it's it's not really there's a lot of teams that are very similar so you're going to end up hitting a matchup potentially that might not be to your benefit simply because there aren't a lot of really good options out there and you kind of decrease those opportunities if you get yourself higher up seating wise Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah it makes sense um but uh but moving down now I, i i just kind of want to get your opinion i think i think you've made it clear but um for these six teams, uh, how, how do you feel about them? I know personally, I, I think these are all pretty safe bets. Um, and if one of these teams were to drop out, who who do you think uh, of those six teams would it be? I think of the six, I think Indiana would be the
0: biggest threat to drop out simply because the schedule was so brutal compared to the rest. Um, and, and that and the fact they just don't have anything really in, in the non-conference compared to the others.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that will certainly will be interesting to watch. Uh, Indiana had a, as I'm sure you remember a similar performance last year where they got out to a, a really hot start and kind of yep. collapsed late. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm certain, uh, Bloomington, uh, people in Bloomington aren't hoping for a, a repeat of that, but that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, but moving down, um, Unless I'm wrong, I think those are the only six teams you have projected from the Big Ten, correct?
0: That's right. That's all okay. I have
1: right now. Okay. Um, so moving down to the next teams, um, I, I think conventional conventional wisdom, and obviously your your seeding reflects this, but Ohio State and Wisconsin are probably the best bets uh, left for the yeah. seventh bid. Um, both have some work to do. Um I think you mentioned you thought uh, Wisconsin or Ohio State might – I'm not sure if I remember, but uh, which of those two do you think has has the better chance right now? And um, what what do they – you know, for people who aren't as familiar with the bubble, what what do teams really need to do to kind of make up ground?
0: Well, right now I think Ohio State kind of has the best chance just because of the games they have left. I mean, really looking what they have – in their final nine games, because they actually meet, reached the halfway point last night by beating one one overtime. They got Maryland at home, Wisconsin on the road, then kind of their only two down games, Rutgers on the road after playing Northwestern at home. And then the rest of the way, it's Michigan, Nebraska, two games of Michigan State in a two week span with Iowa in between. So that's, I mean, they can really put themselves, they can catapult themselves with a couple of good wins there. Um, mm-hmm. So I think really they have the best shot. Um, Wisconsin, again, another one of those teams has been very up and down. They're on a three-game win streak after following a three-game losing streak.
1: Um,
0: Kind of a similar situation. They have more winnable games, I would say. They have Illinois twice. They have Minnesota on the road, which will be kind of interesting. They get Nebraska at home, which they should probably take care of. But they're going to have their opportunities too. They're going to have Ohio State coming into Madison. They're going to ha- have to go to Maryland and Michigan State back to back, which will be a very interesting little bit of a challenge. Um, they get Michigan at home. They have to go to Iowa and Purdue, kind of three of their last four games are on the road. That's going to really, if they can really, you know, steal a couple road wins there, they can really kind of make a nice little late case. But the issue that both those teams have, they had a lot of not very good results in November and December. So that means they have to do a little bit more in terms of February, March to kind of get themselves back in the conversation on the plus side, a couple of good things for Wisconsin, their wins against VCU and Syracuse are starting to look a lot better because VCU's unbeaten the Atlantic 10 Syracuse is now in the RPI top 40. So that's going to really give um, Wisconsin's computer numbers a nice little bit of a boost. Um, Ohio state, their best win is against Kentucky and Kentucky's kind of been inconsistent too. Um, mm. but they really kind of have to hope that Kentucky really makes a run on the SEC and at least gets to second to kind of keep their computer numbers up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I think one of the the big things that, that people don't talk about as much, which, uh, which you just mentioned is that part of it, you know, it really is just luck, you know, hoping that the teams you beat uh, end up doing something yep. <laughs> in their, in their conference play. And, um unfortunately for ohio state they're really pinned to that to kentucky because that's that's really the only team or uh i guess maybe northern illinois is okay but that's really the only yeah. significant team they beat in non-conference play um so yeah the uh really ohio state it, it's odd to think how much of their their resume depend on sec games right now <laughs> but uh yeah um, that
0: that four game stretch where they lost the last three games of their exempt round robin and then lost to virginia that really that put them in a gigantic hole.
1: Mhm. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. It it's kind of amazing that they're even kind of shooting back up just given how how rough that start to the season was. Um, you know, middle of December they're sitting at 4 and 5 uh <laughs> and now we're talking about them as potentially making a run. Obviously they they're still out of the, the picture now, but, um, yeah. Um, but moving down a little bit, um, I know you don't necessarily do a ton of NIT coverage, but, um, I am curious though, who, who do you think from the big 10 could potentially get in that picture? Um, cause I, I don't think unless I'm, uh, missing something, you think anybody really has an at large chance outside of those eight teams?
0: Not really. I would think that, that, if they don't get selected, I would think that Wisconsin and Ohio State would be obviously shoe ins for the NIT. They'd probably get a high seeding, not necessarily a one seed, since those will go to the last four teams that are left out of the tournament, maybe a two-seed potentially. Um, Nebraska, I think, would be a good NIT pickup, and so would Northwestern, um, which would be a nice little building block for them. You know, Again, it was a situation for the Wildcats where they underscheduled in November and December. And, and that really put them in a bad position, you know, where they have a 15 and seven record right now, but there really isn't anything there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I felt so bad for those couple of months where I just kept saying, you know, I can't buy into this because they're not beating anyone. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely a, a rough sort of collapse or, Again, I don't even know if it's a collapse because they really didn't win against anyone significant uh, during that win. It really mm is Yeah, it's really just kind of them performing at the same level. But, but yeah, anyway, uh, Chris, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, Before we let you go, though, I did have one question. Um, I know it's still early, but uh, I'm sure you get this question a million times, but do you have any sleepers, uh, potential Cinderella teams right now? Uh, that you're thinking about for March?
0: Wow. Well, considering we have a whole <laughs> bunch of kind of mid-major teams right in the middle of the bracket who could win a game or two, Wichita State has come back. Um, they I saw them lose to Iowa on the third day of the Advocare Invitational Orlando, and they looked absolutely horrible That Fred VanVleet. He's back. They've really picked themselves up. Valpo, I think, is a dangerous team that's going to be in that 9 or 10 seed range. Um, I saw them blow the doors off of Iona who's not been as good as they've been the past couple seasons um, in Valpo's first home game back in November. Um, St. Mary's is kind of a dangerous team just because of their offense. Um, and the further down kind of in the 12, 13 range, Chattanooga simply because they've beaten Dayton on the road. They beaten George on the road. They beat Illinois on the road. So they have experience winning in hostile environments. Um, uh, whoever wins the big West, UC Irvine or Hawaii in particular, I mean, if you saw the Diamond Head Classic, you you know that that Hawaii is very capable of knocking off a three seed type team, as they took Oklahoma to the limit in that championship game. Um, the Sun Belt, Little Rock, and especially U T Arlington, who beat Ohio State, might have a shot. U T Arlington lost, you know, one of their key players and has kind of struggled since then. Um, so those are kind of the teams that I have my eye on right now.
1: All right, well, uh, definitely interesting. And uh, Chris, we appreciate your insight and. Uh, where can people check out your stuff?
0: All right. Well, my bracket runs every Tuesday on SBNation.com. Uh, Fridays, I do kind of a, a bubble watch lock type piece, which the first one of those will run today. Um, so that'll be on Fridays. And then every day, usually I have a TV preview and a recap, Though so it's going to be a little bit weird this weekend as I'm getting ready to move. Um, so that coverage, and that's over on Blogging the Bracket. And you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Daubertine.
1: All right, Chris. Well, thanks again. And, uh, hopefully you enjoy a weekend packed with college basketball, I'm sure. All
0: right. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs>
1: thanks. Uh, again, as a reminder to everyone, that was, uh, Chris Doberton. uh, does great work for SB nation, uh, for the bracketology stuff. And, and really, it really covers a lot of the teams that a lot of the, I don't want to call it the mainstream media, but, uh, but a lot of the media doesn't really talk about, but, um, some interesting thoughts. I think I uh I largely agree with Chris's evaluations uh regarding the Big Ten's uh NCAA hopes. Um and and really, you know, I, I think you have six teams that are pretty safe bets right now. Um even Indiana, who he mentioned could potentially be the questionable team just due to the the upcoming schedule and sort of the soft wins. Um even them, they they're still favored in a a decent hunk of their games remaining. I mean, they're sitting at seventeen and four, seven and one in the Big Ten. That just feels like it, it would take an epic collapse, you know, for them for them to miss it. You know, they do get they get a Nebraska team at home, they get Purdue at home. You know, they still have uh, what one, four, five. They still have five home games left. Um, and I know they're not necessarily against the best teams, but even if they just win at home, you know, they're going to get in. You know, it's not it's not much of a debate. But um, so I I think at this point you have to feel good about six teams, barring you know some collapses from someone. Obviously the the teams at the most risk are probably Michigan and Indiana. But um, as far as the the bubble goes, um, I agree. You know, I I think Ohio I think Ohio State is sitting better and the reason why i think they're sitting better to make a run is just the way the schedule sets up. You know, he mentioned Wisconsin having those opportunities for big wins and i completely agree. Um but they played like so many of their tough games at home already, meaning that the tough games remaining most of them are on the road. Uh you know, Michigan State on the road, Iowa on the road, Purdue on the road, um Maryland on the road, you know, those those are going to be tough games to win. Um, and even, even if they just lose to Maryland on the road, Michigan state on the road, Iowa on the road, Purdue on the road, they already have eight big 10 losses. Um, so your max record is 10 and eight. <laughs> um, I I don't think so. I mean, and, and your max overall record under that scenario is 18 wins. I, it just, without them scoring some road wins uh, to me, it, Wisconsin, it's just going to be tough. Uh, I, I don't think that team's ready to, to go on the road and win those type of games um, for See on the, on the other side though, Ohio state has a lot of those games at home. You know, they get Michigan state at home. They get Iowa at home. Uh, they get Maryland at home. Um, what's left? Uh, Northwestern get Michigan at home. You know, they have a very home centric schedule over the next couple of weeks. So I, I do think they have the better shot at making a run. Um, and really last night, you know, picking up a, a, conference road win over illinois certainly uh not a a win to raise a banner over or something but a nice little win to add to the resume um but this sunday you know they need to find a way to upset maryland you know that'll that'll be a big uh indicator of whether ohio state ha- has a real chance but um but with that we have our our second guest on of the day uh robert o'neill from uh big east coast bias we like to do our little check-in of what's going on with college basketball across the country. Uh, Robert, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, Thomas.
2: It's nice to uh, finally be back here. I don't think we have any technical difficulties today, so uh, we're off to a good start.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, we've been having a lot of technical difficulties the last couple of weeks, so it's it's nice to actually be able to, uh, to hear what's going on. Um, <laughs> but uh, obviously, a lot of action in college basketball. Um, this is kind of the part of the year where everyone starts paying attention uh the action reaches a fever pitch um what what have you really been excited about over the last couple weeks uh, across the country
2: uh i mean i think it's pretty obvious you know everyone in the top 25 has been losing uh (laughs) and that's just kind of been crazy i mean we've never seen anything like that i mean you got the number one team with two losses already and that's pretty much the tone that everyone has already uh it's probably been more closeness and parity than we've ever seen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, uh, I I know a lot of people are talking about it, but I mean, I don't know how you you can't agree. Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody's losing. Everybody's going down. Um, you know, even even a Kansas team that you know it's a it's amazing to think Kansas already has three conference losses where you know they almost never lose in conference and. And you know they've already lost three times, and still have some of their toughest games left. But um, and you know we had Chris Dobberton, our bracketology guy, on earlier, and he was saying you know this year is going to be uh, madness, and definitely looks that way. Uh, (laughs) Looks that way so far. (laughs) But um, let's jump into let's jump into a few specifics, some of the bigger things going on around here. Um, first, obviously you cover the Big East. Uh, There's been some nice action around the conference recently. Uh, what's been going on in
2: the Big East? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's been Villanova like it is usually. And then since conference play started, uh, you know, Georgetown's turned a nice corner. They didn't have a great non-conference. Uh, Xavier, they ran through their non-conference, and uh, they lost a couple conference games. They're sitting at 18-2 right now. Uh, you know, Providence with Chris Dunn. They're having a nice time so far. So, uh, you know, there aren't. I don't know if they're going to get six teams in the tournament like last year, but I think there's definitely a better chance to get more than one team to the Sweet 16 this year, and that would really mean a lot for the conference than just getting, you know, six teams in and having five of them not make it out of the first weekend.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the big thing the Big East didn't have last year was the uh, a team or two make a, a real deep run. So that would be nice if the if the conference could have a couple a couple problems. But um, jumping off. The, the Big East. I, I, I think the team that is starting to become the consensus number one, or um, well, they're ranked number one at least right now, <laughs> is uh, Oklahoma. Uh, they, they scored a win over Texas Tech at home on Tuesday, beat Baylor on the road last weekend. Um, what do you make of Oklahoma? I, I, is this team for real? And uh, are they going to be the team that finally defeats Kansas in the Big 12?
2: Well, uh, you know, I like Buddy Heald a lot. He's probably the best player in the country. Uh, I'm a big Lon Kruger fan. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they're necessarily a great team, but I think in terms of this year, they are definitely the best team. I mean, it's a year where there are no great teams, and that's okay. I mean, Oklahoma beat down Villanova in the non-conference, and then, you know, they lost to Kansas, but they've beaten Iowa State uh, in Oklahoma at least. Um You know, a big game for them tomorrow. They play LSU, who has struggled, but they're still going to Baton Rouge. uh, And that could really be a big game for LSU to start turning it around. So I think uh, Oklahoma could be a little bit on alert tomorrow. As far as if they can take Kansas down, I think if anyone's ever going to be able to do it, this is the closest that uh, they're going to come.
1: Yeah. um, Well, uh, jump into another team. You mentioned um, them, the Fighting Ben Simmons. Uh, from LSU. Uh, I think uh ESPN has contracted everyone that they they have to mention Ben Simmons at least once on any podcast. So um, <laughs> might might as well jump into him now. Uh, what's your reaction to this LSU thing? Um, I guess do you think they're legitimate? Because I I have very strong opinions about LSU, and they are not necessarily the pos positive one.
2: No, I mean. You know, they got a couple nice wins in the uh, last week against Alabama and Georgia. They've they've been a little bit better since uh, SEC play started, but overall they've really been disappointing for how good Ben Simmons is. And, uh, you know, I it's kind of a lot like what we're seeing with uh, Marquette and Henry Ellenson in, you know, he's another guy that's going to go in the top ten and his team's not really performing very well either. So uh, it's real interesting this year for the freshmen who, you know, maybe they didn't go to the best schools, quote unquote, because they know they're just going to stick around for a year and then get to the next level anyway. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think the thing that that just bothers me so much about LSU is, you know, Ben Simmons is a great player. I, I wouldn't deny that for even one second. Um, He's probably, he's one of the best players in college. He's probably going to go high in the NBA draft. He's probably going to be great in the NBA. You know, I'm, that None of that would shock me in the slightest. But the thing that bugs me is, you know, when LSU is getting this massive attention, when there's a decent chance they won't even make the tournament, and legitimately very good teams like Iowa are getting mentioned casually, <laughs> you know, once or twice. Yeah. You know, an Iowa team that, you know, I want to see LSU go and win a road game at Purdue, at Michigan State. Like, good luck with that one. And uh, – <laughs> and we're just spending so much time like the NBA guys. Sure. Like talk about Ben Simmons all you want because he's going to be a huge factor there. But, um, I, I just don't think this is one of the most compelling stories of of college basketball. That's just my opinion. I feel like we're getting force fed it by the NBA guys because they think Ben Simmons is going to be a big prospect, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, anyway, end my rant about Ben Simmons. Uh I figured I'd i throw it in there. But um but let let's let's jump out west for a second. Um we haven't talked about the Pac twelve, but uh the team that's quietly been asserting itself the last few weeks, well I should say quietly, uh has been asserting itself has been uh Oregon. Uh the Ducks have won six of their last seven. They beat USC, they beat UCLA, and uh they beat Utah on the road. And then they score that monster win last night on the road at Arizona, um, a place that almost no one wins. Uh, what do you make Oregon? Are they a real contender? Because um, I know people are saying, you know, they might be a one seed in March. Yeah. Uh, you
2: know, I'm I'm really high on them, actually. I think Dylan Brooks is very good. I think Tyler Dorsey is very good. I think Chris Boucher is very good. Um and, you know, if you look at the quality of wins they have, uh, I think I saw last night after beating Arizona, they got six or seven uh, top 50 in the RPI wins, and that's the most in the country. Um, yeah, no, they've been they've been great. And I don't know if too many people are watching them because, you know, the games start late. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they got down 13 last night in the first half against Arizona, and they came back and won by uh, eight. So, mm-hmm. A lot of fight in them a uh, nice mix of experience and you know Tyler Dorsey's a top freshman um so yeah no I think I think they're definitely living up to the hype
1: yeah I agree I I don't know if I thought they were going to be quite this good but I definitely thought they were going to be a contender in the in the Pac-12 um Brooks I mean he's one of the best players in the country I don't think there's any denying that uh Dorsey as you mentioned has been great Um, And I I think those are the two big guys who are going to determine how far they can go. Um, They do have a, they do have a pretty challenging schedule, um, which has a lot to do with just the fact that the PAC 12 is definitely having an up year. Um, You know, they've, they've, it's kind of been Arizona and everyone else the last few years, but this is legitimately a a pretty conference. I think they're going to have a a pretty solid slew of big uh, bids in March. And, uh, but I think Oregon's setting up well. They have a, they have a lot of home games over the next couple of weeks and you know they can win the Pac-12 and and really grab a a high seed here. But um but yeah, so uh I guess that's a little snapshot of, of what's going on out, out out west. Um but jumping moving uh I guess cross country here over to the East Coast, um the the team that I I feel like people are starting to get back on after being down on them for a while. Uh North Carolina, they they they're now up to eighteen and two. They're seven and zero in the in the ACC. They've beaten Syracuse, they've beaten NC State. Um they have some uh a pretty huge game coming up on Monday at Louisville. But um looks like they're starting to find their groove. Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh you know, ever since losing to Texas, they uh they're obviously on the big winning streak. Um and, you know, I don't think they've played the best teams in conference play so far. So, like you said, that Louisville game is going to be pretty big. But, uh, you know, they're playing who's on the schedule. And, uh, yeah, they're coming together nicely. Uh, Bryce Johnson's looked very good. Marcus Page is still kind of getting into form. And Justin Jackson's been good. Uh, yeah, no, they've they've been very good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I I'm still not sold on them. I know a lot of people uh, are starting to get in into the campaign for North Carolina for number one. Um, I'm not that sold on them yet just because you know, they've won, what, like I think 11 games in a row. But their best win is maybe uh, Syracuse. I mean, a road win at Syracuse is definitely noteworthy. But, um, you know, it, it, it's not what Oklahoma's been doing, <laughs> And yeah. I think uh, you know, if they if they beat Louisville on Monday, then yeah, I, I think they have a legitimate case. But until they beat a, a legitimate top twenty five uh caliber team, um I I just really can't buy into buy into them 'cause they, they really haven't had it they have yeah, really they have one great win this year. They have a bunch of solid good wins and good wins, but um outside of the Maryland win in in the beginning of December, they don't really have any uh top end wins so that louisville game will be huge but um we you know mentioning louisville uh (laughs) they they've kind of been on a a bit of a run them themselves over the last couple months they they did lose that rivalry game to kentucky they lost to a oddly good clemson team Uh, they've kind of been all over the place (laughs) but um what do you make of louisville
2: yeah, I don't know if a lot of people are uh, talking about Louisville, and, uh, you know, that's a mistake. You know what they're <laughs> going to be, especially come March. You know, they're going to be high seed. They're going to be tough out, as they always are. Uh, yeah, you know, they've been pretty good, too. They haven't really played anyone in the ACC yet either, but they play Virginia tomorrow, and then they play North Carolina. So there's a chance right there to uh, get two big wins and make people
1: start talking about you. Yeah, and, and the one thing about Louisville, which I don't think I, I realized until I just pulled up their Ken page, but man is their schedule brutal to close the season. Yeah. Um they every every opponent is within the top sixty on Ken Pomp, except one, Boston College. Uh not tomorrow, <clears throat> but the Saturday after. Uh, uh, man, that is going to be tough sledding. Um uh, <laughs> they get Virginia twice they get North Carolina, they get Duke on the road, Notre Dame on the road, Duke at home, <laughs> Pittsburgh on the road, uh, Miami on the road. Like that is yeah. going to be a, a brutal schedule. Um, so don't be shocked if Louisville starts dropping some games, but I don't think it'll be a big indicator of that this team isn't great. Um, I think the Cardinals are a, a really good team. And I think, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they're, they're going to come into their own uh, kind of as we, as we roll into March here. But, um, but with that, I, I did want to move into for our final, our final couple of questions here um, <laughs> into sort of the, the mid majors, the, the non uh, major conferences here. It looks like Wichita state starting to come into their own. I know they play in kind of a underwhelming conference, so to speak, uh, the Missouri Valley, but they've, uh, they've won a decent hunk of games in a row here Um you think the Wichita State of Old is starting to show up?
2: Yeah, you know, I think they're a big problem because, you know, they started the year 2-4, and they took the losses to Iowa, uh, you know, Alabama, USC. They didn't have Fred Van Vliet for um, a good chunk of those. He got injured in actually one of those three games, and then I know they had someone else get hurt when they were uh, down in Orlando for Thanksgiving, so, you know, they had a couple injuries they had to deal with. Um, And yeah, no, I think they're fine. they're starting to come what they were last year. I think the Missouri Valley's probably theirs to lose, obviously, as it usually is. And I think it's probably a one-bid league this year. It's not very strong, uh, even with Northern Iowa having the win over North Carolina earlier in the year. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think it's still theirs. You know, they still have Fred Van Vliet and Ron Baker, probably the two best players in that conference. And you know they're nine and zero right now in conference play. So yeah, yeah, they're starting to they're starting to come
1: together. <laughs> yeah, I I think the one thing that you mentioned that is going to be important though for Wichita State is that um they didn't have a great performance in on conference play. You know they they did beat Utah, they did beat UNLV, but they did lose five games, including a to a pretty underwhelming Alabama team. Um, uh, Seton Hall on the road. I, it's not the worst loss. Tulsa on the road, not the worst loss, but probably not, uh, great, you know, quote unquote good losses. But, um, so they don't, they don't have a ton to play with here. They really do have to be excellent in conference play, um, and or win the, the tournament to really get a great seed. So I, I think that is a little bit of a storyline to watch on Wichita state. They, they need to race through conference play, uh, if they're going to end up with a with a quality seat to to do some damage in in March, but um, but yeah, that's that's about all I had. Um, <laughs> uh, Robert, you you have any thoughts on uh, college basketball, the Big Ten, the Big East, anything going on here before we let you go?
2: Uh, no, not really. I mean, I was trying to think last night just kind of get a rough uh, final 4 idea going and i could only name probably one or two teams that i would be <laughs> comfortable putting in the final 4 right now so uh and you know it's it's going to be february next week so it's really late in the year for us to have you know no idea what's going to happen and oh, i, yeah. I kind of like it
1: yeah it, it it's going to be fun i i know personally i i haven't even thought about that because it's like last year I felt like it was pretty obvious a couple of those teams were going to make it. Um, Yeah. But zero idea this year. (laughs) But, uh, but anyway, uh, Robert, thanks for joining us. um, And we look forward to having you on again. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Um, Anyway, for everyone uh, wondering again, that was Robert O'Neill. He writes for SB nations, big East coast bias. Uh, Surprisingly, it covers the big East. (laughs) Um, i I don't know if he does a ton of writing outside of that, but um they do a great job over there on the covering the the big East conference and uh happy to have him on to kind of chat about what's going on outside the big Ten but um before we before we end the podcast this week i I did want to give a little bit of a snapshot of this weekend uh what's going on around the conference um unofficially so to speak i I refer to this week as danger week and that's because. Um, so many of the top teams are facing so many of the bottom teams in the conference and, and not just the top teams, but the teams that are projected in the NCAA tournament, you know, the bubble teams we were talking about, Ohio state, Wisconsin. um, This this was a week where really a lot of damage could be done. Um, You know, Rutgers, uh, they played two NCAA, you know, again, I'm just going to call them NCAA tournament teams, even though it's projection, obviously, but they faced two NCAA tournament teams. Um, Minnesota faced two. Illinois faced both bubble teams. Uh, Penn State got gets one. They get Michigan tomorrow. Uh, North, I mean even Northwestern, even Nebraska gets some. Um, um, it was a week where a lot of damage could be done, and and what I mean by that is, you know, if Purdue drops had dropped that game to Minnesota on the road, suddenly, oh man, now. They're really moving down the seed line. You know, Michigan had lost to Rutgers. Michigan loses tomorrow to Penn state. You know, a lot of potential damage could be done. Um, But so far so good. Um, I know the the fans of the teams at the quote unquote bottom aren't going to like to hear that, but so far so good for the big 10. The only, you know, upset so to speak was, has really been Iowa losing at, uh, at Maryland last night and, both those teams are projected in the tournament. I don't really think that's a winner loss, you know, for the big tens conference goals or whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, Michigan state beats Northwestern last night. Ohio state goes on the road uh, beats Illinois to grab a decent little road win. Um, Michigan beats Rutgers. Purdue beats um, Minnesota. Ohio state beats Penn state. So everything's roughly good and going to plan. However, there are more (laughs) of these games over the next couple of days. Um, After that, it's going to start to to settle down, you know, Minnesota Rutgers play a couple of times. So uh, that potential bomb kind of dissuades for a little bit, you know, they face some of the NIT bubble teams. So, um, but, you know, on on Saturday, Indiana plays Minnesota at home, Um, Michigan plays Penn state. And then on Sunday, Michigan state is getting Rutgers. Wisconsin uh is traveling to Illinois. All of these are potential uh <laughs> blows to the conference and its goal of uh really getting the best seating in the NCAA tournament it can. Um and 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 really that that that's my point of this whole thing, you know, if if you're a you know, conference pride type of person or you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, the real goal has to be to get as many teams in the tournament and get them as high of seating as possible. I know sometimes people kind of go, well, what if you get a bunch of teams in the NIT? Um, I would, if, if I'm the big 10, I would much rather have one team, one additional team in the NCAA tournament than all the other teams make the NIT. Uh, the NCAA tournament is just infinitely more important for the programs, for the conference, uh, just for perception. So, um, Big, big couple of days. I know people don't typically like to talk about, you know, oh, well, you know, who's playing Rutgers or who's playing Minnesota? I know those aren't the exciting topics, but for the Big Ten, it it really is an important weekend. Uh, The conference, you know, really needs to get through. If they can get through this weekend, I think you do really have a great shot at getting seven bids, and that's because um, the teams, you know, the RPI is just going to keep ticking up. For, for those top teams and the, and those middle teams. So I, I, I think it's a big weekend. Um, And the, the big, the biggest game, I would say uh, for people looking for a big matchup Sunday afternoon, uh, Maryland travels to Ohio state. That's a huge game for Ohio state's NCAA hopes. That's a huge game for Maryland to try to get back into this, this big 10 title hunt. Um, I know roughly speaking, they're, they're still right in it. They're only a game back, but you know, they're going to need to win some of these, these road games like this, you know, they still, they have a, you know, they had the road win at Wisconsin, the road win at Northwestern, but um, lost their last two on the road. So this is a big chance to turn that around, keep that momentum from the, from the Iowa win going. But I I'd say that's the big game to watch. And, and other than that, you know, call it danger weekend, whatever you want to call it. Um, Still a lot of, a lot of dangerous matchups for the conference, but, but other than that, that's our that's our podcast for this time. Um, again, I'm Thomas Bendit, manager of BT Powerhouse. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at t bendit t b e i n d i t. And uh, thanks again for everyone checking us out. We have a lot a lot of great stuff on the site, um, so jump on there and uh, we'll see you all next time.